Welcome back to the middle of culture. I am one of your co-hosts who has been missing for a little bit, uh, Peter. And I'm Eden. I was here last time. And Eden, I just want to thank you and Cassie for your fantastic episode. Uh, I listened to it. I enjoyed it. I thought it was great. And I really appreciated you guys getting something out uh, because y'all life has been kind of shit lately and it's been taking its toll on me and I am, uh, I'm getting back in it. Things are starting to settle down. So, uh, I'm excited to be back and to be talking today. Yeah. Well, we're, we're happy to get, have you back and it was our pleasure to just have a quick old chat. It reminded me of the olden days back when we used to do a podcast, Cassie and I. So it was, it, it was like getting back on the bicycle. Excellent. Well, uh, you know, one quick thing I wanted to just throw out that uh, I'm hopeful is a good sign. And that is that it looks like the, at least the writer's strike may be coming to an end. I don't know if I've heard anything about the, uh, the, the SAG after a portion of it, but at least it sounds like the WGA is reaching a consensus. And so I hope that means that good things are going to happen for those people who work hard to provide and create the entertainment uh, that we enjoy, that we like to talk about on this podcast. And let's be real. Unions work, baby. Yeah. I mean, they got almost everything that they were asking for with like hardly any concessions on the Writers Guild's end. So like... Unions work, and if you work in a place where you don't have a union, uh, myself, you should work on trying to get one. <laughs> Me You should too. work on trying to build a union. Um, I don't know how to do that, but I'm sure trying to talk about it a lot with my coworkers. Yeah, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. I do. We do. Unfortunately, we do. Unfortunately, live in Iowa, where the state legislature, um, within the last few years, made a real um, head-ass rule that unions can only collectively bargain on wages and not on benefits, which is some real bullshittery. Yeah. Um, but I still think unions are important, and I still wish that we as professional and scientific employees of the university had one. Yeah. No, that is weird. And uh, good luck with your efforts in that regards. We'll see. Well, what have you uh, been checking out lately? Anything that you wanted to uh, to bring to the pod before we dive into our topic of the week? Yeah. Um, so it has been uh, Comics O'Clock. Now that I work at the comic store, I have been reading a lot of single issue comics. Um, I had kind of stopped. I, there were certain um, series that I was still collecting, ones that I've been collecting for years, um, certain characters who like out of habit, I still always buy a book that stars that character. Um, but I didn't really have anything that I was digging through in the back issues. You know, there have been times where I've had like, you know, a, a, a number of series where I was still looking for certain issues in it to complete a run or whatever. I didn't really have any of those recently, but working at the comic book store um, has got me thinking about those sorts of things again and finding joy in in having a project like that to work on when I go to different comic stores and things like that. Um, and one of the ones that I'd gotten recently, uh, I, have, I have most every comic that stars a character that goes by Spider-Woman. 
with the exception of I did not have volume three of Spider-Woman, which stars Matty Franklin as this as the titular Spider-Woman, neither Jessica Drew nor uh, uh, what is her name? I, Cassandra something. I don't remember. The second one. Yeah, I don't know. She she had a four-issue series in the late 80s and then has been, was gone for a while, is now Madam Web question mark. So maybe we'll see her if and when Sony ever makes that Madam Web movie they've been threatening for years. Regardless, uh, I got Spider-Woman, volume three. It's 18 issues, started in 1998. Peter, it's dog shit. It's one of the worst oh, comics dear. I've ever read. <laughs> it's so bad. Uh, and it's like embarrassingly written and atrociously drawn. Bart Sears is the artist, the main artist on the book. And for those of you who don't know Bart Sears, he was an art. He was kind of not big, but he was like around a lot in the like nineties and early two thousands um, on like things like Turok. And he did some Marvel books. He did some DC books. Spider woman was one of his Marvel books. He was one of the big um, cross gen guys when cross gen was a thing. Um, and now he like works at the Qbert school, which for those of you who know anything should tell you everything you need to know about him as an artist. He works at the Qbert school, which is where the worst comic artists go to learn how to draw. Mm. Um, it's terrible. And John Byrne is the writer. And sometimes I really like Byrne. Uh, this is not one of those. This is dog shit. It's real bad. Um, but it only went for 18 issues and I'm like 14 issues through this 18 issue thing. The other funny thing about it is she's on her seventh or eighth costume within those 14 issues. Okay. They really could not decide on, uh, like a visual motif for this character because they just kept changing it every issue or two. And Hmm. it's just an embarrassment, but it is what it is. Uh, it's not very good. That's too bad. And let's see. What else have I been reading? Oh, Bride Story Volume 14 came out last week. Uh, oh, and guess cool. what? Still still the greatest comic ever made. Oh, excellent. I, I have been meaning to get back and continue reading that. Volume 14, almost the entire thing was a horse race for marriage. A marriage, a marriage-based slash marriage-defining horse race. And it was great. Cool. And, you know, other other things I think will come up as we talk um, through our topic of today, because I played all of Starfield and I am, you know, elbows deep in a new playthrough of Cyberpunk 2077 because earlier this week, Phantom Liberty, which is the expansion, came out. Yeah. So those will obviously come up and during our discussion today. So I'll keep my convo on those two till we get to them. Perfect. What about you? Um, you know, not a lot in the midst of all this, uh, a couple things though, that, uh, I did want to mention, you know, I don't remember what it was, but a week or so ago, I thought to myself, you know, I really just need some comfort food. And so I started rereading the Chronicles of Pradane and I am about nice. two thirds of the way through Taran Wanderer. Uh, coming to the end. 
And is that book four? That is, that's the fourth book. The book that I remember when I was younger, people telling me was the worst, was the most boring. And now that I am an adult, I would argue with all of those adults who told me that because they're wrong. Uh, the fourth book is marvelous. It is a, a, a lovely story of Taran trying to figure out who he is and what's important and learning so much about himself along the way. And most importantly about what does it mean to be a good person? And so I just am going to say this again. Uh, I think that there are a lot of people who haven't read those books. I think that they are vastly superior to much of the, uh, to many of the fantasy ish sort of books that are out there. And yeah, are they kind of kids books? Sure. Um, but it does not in any way diminish, uh, I think how, how great they are and how good the characters and, and the stories and I love them and I'm having a wonderful time rereading those books and have not in any way been disappointed or had my, uh, my, my memories of those books come across as more nostalgia. Like they really, they, they have held up remarkably well. Uh, on this, uh, yet again, rereading them. And so, uh, go read them. They're great. It's true. And then just, you know, um, listening to music, the new music that's coming out, nothing really that's grabbing my, uh, interest other than, you know, the two, the new album from Tesseract, which is a few weeks old. Uh, I'm digging. I, I like Tesseract. I like what they do. Um, they're, you know, they're, 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 they're a great band and I'm really liking their new album. And, uh, you know, haven't been playing much in terms of games, a little bit that we'll talk about. And then, you know, look, let's just say, I know your feelings about police. I understand it. I respect it. <laughs> I still think that Brooklyn Nine-Nine is a freaking hilarious show and I am loving it. It's very funny. I and hate, I hate how enjoyable it is because it's <laughs> propaganda, but it's also very funny and very good. I knew I, every time I watch it, I just think to myself, uh, I'll bet Eden has conflicted feelings about this series. <laughs> I have extremely conflict, especially I have you watched it before? Or is this your first time watching? No, it? this is my first time watching it. So obviously when you get to the end, like season seven or season eight, which I'm not quite there 20, I'm in season five. So it's 2020 George Floyd uprisings have happened. And obviously, and you can tell this even by the time you get to season five, you can tell that the people who work on the show are getting more and more uncomfortable oh, yeah. with the fact that oh, they're yeah. making propaganda. And so they keep making literally every other cop like a villain. And it's like, that's all true, but all of the heroes are still also cops. <laughs> and my dream after they had like a, you know, a bit of a break because of COVID and they were like figuring out how to like come back after COVID and after George Floyd, they try some stuff in that last season that, some of it's good, some of it falls flat. I won't talk about it other than that. But my dream was, my like pie in the sky dream was like, do something audacious. Do like the series finale of New Heart and have at the first season uh, or the first episode of season eight, have Jake Peralta wake up and realize he's been dreaming about being a cop. And then the whole season is set in the post office. <laughs> Yeah. You could do it. That's that <laughs> cast could. could have been just as game to do very funny things about postal service things. 
Um, and I wish they had had the audacity to do that, <laughs> but I also understand it's too audacious. Yes, but no, it, it is a, it is a fun show and, and I like the characters and, uh, the, the way they play off each other. And, you know, again, this kind of gets to where I am in my life and the things that I sort of need in my entertainment, um, putting aside the, the police part. Uh, the, the thing that most endears me to that show is the fact that as weird and as wacky as the characters are, uh, they still genuinely care about each other and they, they do. have each other's back and they're a team. And there's not enough of that for me in entertainment these days. It's too much. There's too much meanness. There's too much uh, contention amongst people. And yeah, I mean, there's issues and they don't always get along and everything, but but because they care so much about each other, they're able to work through that. And, you know, I like that. Uh, that has been the aspect of it, honestly, that has most appealed to me right now. So, uh, but that's about it, I think, for me. Nice. I will mention, when you brought up music, I've been listening to a lot of hurdy-gurdy lately. You know what's a cool instrument? A hurdy-gurdy. <laughs> Very cool. They are. They're fascinating. That's all. They're fascinating. That's all I'll say. I think hurdy-gurdies are cool. They sound dope as hell. And for some reason, Spotify has been suggesting hurdy-gurdy music to me. And then I listen to it and I'm like, damn, you know what's cool? A hurdy-gurdy. <laughs> Very good. Well, let's move on to this week's topic, which has been kind of cooking in the in the in, on the back burner for a, a little while now and has gone through a few iterations and some of those iterations and those changes to my initial proposal were offered by Eden to help kind of simplify things a little bit. But what we're going to do today is you and I put together a list of 64 computer role-playing games. Now they can be role-playing games. You know, we're, we're not saying like the super strict top-down isometric based on some tabletop RPG rule set or anything. Now, these are just computer games that somehow fall into the category of what we consider role-playing games and that generally are considered role-playing games. And then what we did is we threw them into a little randomizer and pitted them in pairs. And so what we're going to do is we're going to take these randomly generated pairs and we're going to pick which of these two games in each pair wins. We originally talked about doing a bracket. I think with this many, I think the bracket might get a little long. So we're going to just go through each group. We're going to talk about them. We're going to, some of these conversations might be fast because maybe we have only played a little, or maybe we haven't even played a game. We're just more aware of it. Uh, but we're going to go through and we're going to run down this list and we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to talk about role-playing games, uh, as we go. So any and I preamble do wanna you say, want to offer? Yeah. I, I just want to say if your favorite game did not make this list or a game that you think is notable that didn't make this list, I'm sorry. I just forgot. <laughs> or, or Peter right? just forgot. Like I one did. of us just, we, we, we forgot it. And you know what? If you, if you are incensed that we're like, I don't, e I, I don't even know one to say because I put all the ones I could think of on the list. But <laughs> if, if we say one that is not on the list and, and we don't say it and you are mad about it, send us an email and then we'll talk about it. Yeah. And it gives us, cause a I probably haven't played out. it. So I'll, yeah, I probably haven't played it. So I'll probably play a few hours and then get back to you if I think it's good or not. Heck yeah. All right. Group number one, 
We have uh, this is kind of an interesting pair in that uh, vastly different kinds of games. Uh, okay. We've got Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines versus Pathfinder Kingmaker. Oh, there's no question. Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines is one of the greatest and most busted uh, RPGs I've ever played. <laughs> Pathfinder Kingmaker. Pathfinder Kingmaker, I have played. It was fine. It was fine. Yeah. Pathfinder is just D&D with the numbers filed. Not even the numbers. D&D with the copyright date filed off. Like, it's <laughs> f- fine, question mark. I think D- fundamentally... This will come up maybe more than once tonight, but I think a D20 based system is bad because there's too much randomness and variability when you are rolling a single D20. I think it's a poor choice to design a system around. So I think that the games that use a D20 based system are a little mid just because I think it's a mid system. But uh, you know what rules? Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines. Very good. You know, I, well, here's I, the thing. Yes. The thing is, Pathfinder Kingmaker, it's fine. People like it. They make a sequel a few years later. People are still clamoring for a sequel to Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines, a game from 2004 that is was incredibly and remains incredibly busted. Yeah. But there is enough weird shit in it that people love it, myself included, and would love for there to be a second one. Is that ever going to actually happen? I don't <laughs> think so. It is so busted. They've skipped like they're three years past the point where Vampire Bloodlines 2 was supposed to come out. So do I think this is ever actually going to happen? I doubt it. But didn't but they just re-re-re-announce that it was coming? Yeah, they made they moved it to a different <laughs> studio entirely. So like <laughs> with the, the, the speed it takes to develop a like fully fledged double A AA or triple A game at these days, they just announced a few months ago that it moved to a new studio. The earliest we are seeing this game is twenty twenty seven. Oh yeah. No question. So I have to be honest and tell you I don't have a ton of experience with both of these. I have started Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines. Uh, I own Pathfinder Kingmaker. Uh, but I haven't ever played it. Uh, but you got it I, in a humble bundle. Have, it's fine. I don't have any doubt that out of these, I, I, again, Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines has to win. Um, it, it's even though I haven't played it, I am so aware of the things that you talked about regarding this game uh, that it, that it has to it has to take that one. Whereas, like you said, Pathfinder Kingmaker, Pathfinder Kingmaker is one of those. It it, it came out. People like it liked it enough that they could make a sequel, but you don't still hear people clamoring for or, or going on and on about uh, the the impact of uh, Pathfinder Kingmaker. So yeah, no, Vampire the Masquerade's got to take it. Do you know what it is? It's the fact that Lacuna Coil is both on the soundtrack and a poster in your apartment room. Interesting. And you know, I've got to say, Lacuna Coil, really, really fucking good live. I bet. Oh, they are. They're, really they're entertaining. They are very, anyway, very good live. All right. That, next matchup. I'm excited for this one only because, okay. well, I have, I have thoughts about how this might go, but I'm curious. Okay. We've got competitor number one, Final Fantasy 13 mm. versus okay. Baldur's Gate 2. Oh, I mean, you haven't played Final Fantasy 13. Can I tell you the other problem though? I haven't played Baldur's Gate 2. That's, you're fine. It's fine. You're fine. 
I mean, uh, that's the thing. It's Final like Fantasy you look 13 at it, is incredible. It, you know, and, and I'm going to have to completely defer to you on this one because I know you have very strong feelings about Final Fantasy 13 and I absolutely respect that. And I know that a large percentage of people have very strong feelings about Baldur's Gate 2, but I'm going to tell you what. I've tried to go back and play those first two Baldur's Gate games. And at this point in the year of it's our rough. Lord 2023, it is brutal. At the time, I think they probably were great. But boy, oh boy, mm. bouncing off those really hard trying to go back and play them. So I could not, uh, in good conscience, argue against your feelings for Final Fantasy 13. I think they're valid the, and need to be recognized. I think that those original... Bioware Baldur's Gate games are doing interesting things until Throne of Ball. Throne of Ball is garbage. Um, just because the the, does, the fights are way over-tuned and like they throw any Gygaxian encounter design out um, the window. So like you're f by the end of that game, it has a level cap of level 40. You play D&D. &D. You know that by level 15, you ought to be on a fucking spaceship going across the plains and fighting gods. Like, mm -hmm. by level 15, you're not futzing around on the planet you're from anymore. Like, weird shit is happening. So if that game lets you get all the way to 40, you had ought to be destroying entire planes with a glance. And then they make you fight like monks? And monks can fight me? What? <laughs> no i should be able to look at this monk and they should turn into dust i'm a level 40 barbarian what are you doing so throwing a ball bad but i would say if anyone was ever interested in playing those Baldur's gate games get the enhanced edition and then cheat just turn on the Story invincibility mode. mod well no you don't cheat. even have to do that don't you even like they literally have in, in the enhanced editions, they have a difficulty that is story mode where nobody on you nor your companions can die. Great. Great. And then if it even gets tough, you go in, turn on console commands for one hit kill. Perfect. I just want to see the story. I want to see it in five hours. Great. One hit kill is getting turned on and they're fine. They're fine. But I have talked at length on this very podcast about the final fantasy 13 trilogy. So 13 wins for me. Very good. I, I expected that's how it was going to go, and I am totally on board. All right, group number three, uh, Deus X and Fallout 4, and I have very strong feelings. I think I know what you're going to say, but you should go first. I'm going to go ahead and say that Deus X absolutely has to take this one for a few different reasons. Number one, I, as we will discuss on more than one occasion, or maybe I'll just talk about it now and get it over and done with, I do not really like the way Bethesda makes games. I think they make big worlds with a lot of things to do. And I find very, very little of those things to do very interesting, at least in my experiences thus far. Fair. I personally engage with a game much more strongly when there is a, a crafted central narrative that pulls you through. Sure. And I think sure. that Deus Ex, I think that it was a little silly and it was a little cheesy and stuff, but it had this, this story, it had this intrigue, it had this, you know, the central story was what drew me in and it pulled me along. And I loved going around and like playing it different ways and, and I'm sneaking and I'm sniping and I'm, I'm strong. And uh, I still have incredibly fond memories of my initial playthrough uh, of Deus Ex. And like I say, the. Bethesda RPGs just leave me kind of bored. 
I love a Bethesda RPG. Um, I'm sure they will come up because there's multiple ones on this list. I think that every game Bethesda has ever made skates the line between a six and a seven and a half out of ten. And that is exactly where I want them to be because they are stupid games that I can just turn on a podcast and go walk around for 150 hours just doing whatever. <laughs> and so yeah, that totally. that resonates with me. I can see how for some people that doesn't work. I can see why for you, you're like, this this gameplay loop isn't grabbing me. But man, I, I finished uh, Starfield and I was waiting for Cyberpunk to come out to get the 2.0 update. I booted up Oblivion again and I spent probably 15 hours just futzing around in Oblivion. <laughs> and you know what? It was great. I joined the Mages Guild. I became the head mage. And then I made, I, I got all of my stuff uh, so powerful that I could equip gear that made me 105% invisible. And then it's just like a murder simulator. I'm 105% invisible. No one can see me. <laughs> so I just walk around and I'm just like, oh, what do I need to do? Kill this guy. They don't even see you coming. And then you hit them and they're like, what's going on? Who's hitting me? That's the sort of things that a Bethesda game can let you do that like nobody else is doing it like that. And that sort of dumb fun is what I get out of a Bethesda game. However, in this case, you're pitting one of the worst Bethesda games of the modern generation against one of the all-time great immersive sims so deus ex wins because i could still remember talking to my brother paul denton on the uh docks uh, looking out over the statue of liberty which is filled with terrorists that you know, i've got to figure out how to kill uh -huh. and J and paul's only going to give me one weapon so i gotta pick well uh -huh. i still remember this it's great yeah. deus ex rules great game so interesting follow-up here group number four Elder Scrolls V Skyrim versus Deus Ex Human Revolution. Oh, um, I think Skyrim takes it for me because Skyrim is one of the really good Bethesda games. I don't know that I ever finished Human Revolution. I think I hit a spot where it got too hard for me. Uh -huh. Did you ever play that one? I have played some. I did not finish it either. So damning with faint praise. I really liked what there was, but I didn't finish it. And I finished Skyrim five times, so. And see, I could not finish Skyrim. I finally, after years and years and years, forced myself to play it. And I had a good enough time, um, but I didn't love it. But at the same time, I think taking a step back and looking at, if nothing else, the influence of the game, there's no question that Skyrim was... Uh, and continues to be hugely influential. And whether you like it or not, it was popular enough and did what it was aiming for, I think, well enough uh, that it, it's got, definitely got to take the cake here. For sure. I should. I have been thinking about going back and playing Human Revolution and seeing if I could beat it and finally playing Mankind Divided because I never even touched that one. Uh -huh. Um because they're cyberpunk and I'm back on a cyberpunk uh, spree, which we will get to, I'm sure, when cyberpunk comes up. And But I've been reading a lot of cyberpunk stuff and working on my cyberpunk novel again and oh, nice. playing a lot of cyberpunk video games and listening to a lot of like, you know, vaporwave and dark wave. So I'm kind of in like a cyberpunky mood. So it might be time when I finish 2077 to go play those uh, those later period Deus Ex games. Well, we'll have to wrap back around and see how that goes. So for some reason, again, this is supposed to be random. The, the website's called randomresult.com. But here we go. 
We've got in group five, Elder Scrolls for Oblivion versus Wasteland. Um, Oblivion's one of my, I, I, there's been a thing going around on social media the last week or so of people doing top 25 lists using the topsters.org website. Um, and I made my top 25 video games a few days ago. Oblivion makes that list. It clears the list. I think it's my favorite of the Bethesda games. So, okay. Well, then it sounds I like, really like Oblivion's got win. I've played Oblivion. And Wasteland. Some. I have not played Wasteland, so I don't have feelings. Wasteland is just, what if before they made Fallout, they made a very, very tough game in like 1992. Yeah. So it's very hard. So I would not, I would not recommend Wasteland. Just go play Fallout. Yeah. Not my jam. All right, here we go. Again, this is why I thought it was interesting. In group number six, we've got Elder Scrolls 3 Morrowind versus The Witcher 3. Oh, man. They're just like front-loading all these Bethesda jobs. Uh, What do you think on this one? I think I got to go with The Witcher 3. Again, Morrowind is an interesting world, but boy, I had just a hell of a time getting into that game and did not really enjoy it. And I haven't finished The Witcher 3, but I have enjoyed my time with uh, The Witcher games way more than I personally have ever enjoyed my time with a an Elder Scrolls game. I mean, there is a reason why people love Witcher 3 so much. It's extremely good. Like, this is a studio hitting their stride almost to perfection because that game is super long. You can spend... 60 to 100 hours playing that game but it never gets stale there's always stuff to do there's always you know something for gruff old Geralt to be up to and honestly the best parts of that game are the two DLCs especially um, Iron and not Iron and Wine Blood and Wine I don't remember yeah, I think there is an entire second the second DLC they're just like hey we need some help in this like Southern kingdom. You go down to the Southern kingdom and they're like, Hey, do you want to run a vineyard here? Here's a house and some servants. You're the Lord of this vineyard. Now. Also, there's like a vampire on the list <laughs> and like, it's super lighthearted. And like, you can tell that this was them like taking a victory lap of like base game came out. People loved it. First expansion came out. People loved it. Let's make something fun and lighthearted and and just kind of like say goodbye to the series well they haven't done that because they keep making more witcher games because they because witcher 3 made too much money but it's like a really good like bow on what they made of Geralt's story um and it's incredible morrowind i loved when i played it 15 years ago when i finished starfield before i started oblivion i tried morrowind because it's on backwards compatibility on my xbox series x and i couldn't hit the mouse like that i was fighting because i couldn't (laughs) get the angles just right and i said fuck this and i uninstalled it and installed oblivion (laughs) that sounds that sounds like an elder scrolls game (laughs) so do i have a lot of fond memories of morrowind from like 15 to 17 years ago yes i do can I play Morrowind in 2023? Apparently not because I <laughs> spent 10 minutes and then said, fuck this and gave up. Excellent. All right. Moving on to group number seven. This is one that I'm just going to preface and say, I have zero opinion. Competitor number one, Yakuza, like a dragon competitor. Number two, Pathfinder wrath of the righteous. Well, here's the thing. Pathfinder two, the game, it's a game. It's another one. They, they didn't even change the engine. It's the same game. Yep. Did you like Baldur's Gate? Then you will like this. If you didn't like Baldur's Gate, you won't like this. 
Yakuza Like a Dragon, they said, hey, you remember how, like, our last seven Yakuza games were, like, action games where you walk around Shibuya and, like, beat people up? What if this time we made it a party-based, turn-based RPG? Oh. And introduce a new a new protagonist who's like a goofy dude getting out of jail after being in jail for 20 years and so he like doesn't even know like how to use a cell phone because he's been in jail for 20 years <laughs> it's charming yakuza yakuza like a dragon or yakuza 7 or like a dragon 7 whatever you want to call it delightful i like the yakuza games as a whole but that's my favorite one cool no that sounds good like I say, yeah, I kind of figured Pathfinder, you know what you're getting. It is yet another version of that. So it's probably good. I haven't played Wrath of the Righteous yet. I'll probably get to it because I've been on a CRPG kick lately, but not like rushing to it or anything. Yeah. All right. Group number eight, competitor number one, Planescape Torment versus Deus Ex Mankind Divided. You go. Tell Oh, I mean, this one's a no-brainer for me. This is Planescape oh, Torment. Yeah. I mean, look, Planescape Torment for me remains to this day one of the most vivid video game moments of my life. I recall completing this game. It was 2.30 in the morning because I was getting towards the end game and I'm like, I have to finish this. Uh-huh. And I got to the end of that game and I just sat there staring at the screen for 20 minutes Hell because yeah. it, it sounds so simple, but look, you're not trying to save the world. No. You're not trying to do all of this other bullshit. You are trying to figure out why can't you die? And then your goal is to die. Yeah, man. And I love this game. I, it, so it is, good. it is hard to go back for all the reasons we talked about the others, although it looks way, way better because it was, the art is so cool. I mean, but, oh man, Planescape Torment is a masterclass in that top down isometric CRPG. It is fascinating. The voice acting is excellent. The story is, the story is good. And I don't even know if I would say it's you know, as you have put it before, it's good for a game. I think Planescape Torment's legitimately good. It is and, pretty good. And it's just, it's fascinating. It is, it is, it is one of those games that um, people who love it are, they just gush about it like I have because it, it's, it's just one of those key games in your gaming history that once you've played that game, you kind of don't forget it at all. I 100, 100% agree. Like, in the pantheon of those isometric RPGs, it's number one. No yeah. question in my heart. I think that it clears all the rest of them, maybe all the rest of them put together. It's so much better than them. And I also have now, I don't want to revisit it because I have those types of associations with it like you were talking about. Yeah. I also remember struggling with that decision when you get to the end of that game and you're like, well, do I die or not? Yeah. Like, what do I, what, what, what matters to me after playing this game for 65 hours? Like, what is the, the choices that are placed before me? What do I want to do? 
And I don't, I'm scared to go back because I worry that it's not going to be as good. So I have never gone back to play it again. Yeah, no, that's a very valid point. And, you know, like you said, there are just these kind of burned into my brain moments. I mean, I remember the first time I died in the game uh-huh. and I had to die. Like you had to die to progress the story. That was part of the game mm-hmm. was dying. And just again, at that time, that's just, like, you don't die in games. You're, you know, you're safe scumming. You're doing whatever you can. So you don't die. And all of a sudden it's like, I mean, and that's literally how you have to play BG. Like you have to save scum every like 15 seconds in a fight in like Baldur's Gate and Icewind Dale. Cause otherwise you will lose hours of progress. So you just save scum and finding out that no dog, you you die in this game. It's fine. You're not actually dead. You can't die. Did you, did you not read when <laughs> the not floating skull man said when the floating skull man said, you can't die dog. You didn't pay attention. You thought that was just the game playing with you. No dog. You, you can't die. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic cool. game that uh, I think. And is, then you go buy, then you go buy those blood drops, and you go find your dead companions, and you toss them on them, and they all wake back up, and you're like, okay, let's go try that fight again. <laughs> <laughs> yep, absolutely. All right, let's move on to group nine. Uh, competitor one is Fallout, and competitor two is Persona Five Royal. You take I mean, regular 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 Fallout is fine. Yeah. It's not as good as Fallout 2. Um, Persona 5 is one of the best games I've ever played. So, <laughs> You know, I, I have not played Persona 5. I did buy it, and that, for me, I felt like was a big step. And one of the main reasons I bought it is because in looking at it, and maybe you said something, maybe you didn't, I don't know. In my head, I got the idea, I'll bet you Persona 5 is really good on the Steam Deck. And oh, so it plays like a song. I bought it to play on the Steam and a, Deck. And and it's and it's turn based, which I feel like turn based games are perfect for the Steam Deck because I can put it down mid combat and go do whatever for 15, 20 minutes, come back, and it nothing nothing bad happened because it's turn based, baby. Yeah. And you know, I played the original Fallout once and it was all right. It's I, fine. It's good. Yeah. But it didn't, I don't know. So I'm more than happy to give this to Persona 5. It's good. Persona 5's good. You should play it. All right. Group 10, Fallout New Vegas versus Banner Saga 3. Okay. What are your thoughts on these two? Uh, I have not played either of them, so I don't have really strong thoughts. The one thing I do know is that uh, at least what I have heard and read is that Fallout New Vegas, at least from a story standpoint, people seem to report that it is uh, the best of the uh, fallout games. Uh, I know that obsidian tends to have a track record for, uh, doing interesting things and, and writing better stories than a lot of, uh, studios. So, but that is all I know. Well, here's the thing. You don't care for fallout games or for Bethesda games. What if the Bethesda game was written basically by the team that wrote Planescape torment? Right. And that's the, the thing that interests me about new Vegas. That's New Vegas. New Vegas is by far and away my favorite of those style of games. I think it is one of the best games that that Obsidian has made as a studio. And I think Obsidian, I, I hold Obsidian in really high regard. There's a bunch of Obsidian games on this list. Well, they do um, good stuff. M- 
I love Obsidian, and I'm really excited now that they got that you know Microsoft money. They're doing things like Pentiment, which is incredible. Pentiment was so good, and I'm really excited to see what they do with Avowed when that comes out. Um, but like New Vegas is ridiculously good. I don't even remember what New Vegas was going up against, but New Vegas wins. <laughs> Banner Saga three. I okay. I like the Banner Saga games. I think they're dope. I think it is really good, crunchy tactics while also telling a really compelling story about the end of a society. Banner Saga 3 made me cry. It's not as good as Fallout New Vegas. Yeah. All right. Group 11, Divinity, Original Sin, and the first Banner Saga game. So I have played not to completion both of these, but I have played through both of these to some point. So what do you think? Gut gut reaction, having played parts of them. So my gut reaction is Divinity Original Sin. And uh, in a large part, it's because I don't love the tactics portion of the Banner Saga games. Um, that's not a type of game that I really dig a whole lot. Um, sure. Divinity Original Sin, you, you know, it's, you can't go into it really thinking, there's a, at least for me, there was a temptation to try and play it like an action RPG and you will not oh, do it's well not if that. you do that. It, it is, is not, not that at that. all. Uh, but it, it was, I don't know if I'd say more actiony, but it, it clicked with me a little bit better than Banner Saga. But again, I can't say that I finished either of them. Uh, I would like to go back and play Divinity Original Sin. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I don't have a strong feeling, but I would lean towards Divinity. And I, I think I would lean towards Banner Saga simply because I, those Larian games don't click with me like they do for others. Um, the mechanics, I, I see what they're doing with the mechanics and it just doesn't appeal to me. Um, even though I, I respect what they're doing, I see what they're doing. I think it's cool, but it's just not for me, especially those two Divinity Original Sin games. I also think the writing is just real rough for me which is one of the reasons why i have not bought Baldur's Gate 3 yet because even though i see so many screenshots and i'm like oh carlock she seems great oh shadowheart she seems great oh lazale she seems great i want to hang out with these ladies i also know that it's a it, like a much harder D style like it is showing you everything about DD in a way that Baldur's Gate and its ilk have hidden when oh, yeah. you play those games and I don't like D&D as a system. We have talked about it multiple times. I just think it's a clunky system. And I really hated the way that Original Sin and Original Sin 2 were written. So even though I hear, by all accounts, Baldur's Gate 3 is much better written, I worry because I don't care for the way that the other ones were written. So sure. I would lean Banner Saga here. And I would be okay with that because, again, don't have strong enough feelings one way or the other. So. I like, I like sad Norsemen. What can I say? There you go. I think this next one's going to be real easy. Group number 12, the original Icewind Dale versus Cyberpunk 2077. I just want to get out of this, get this out of the way and say the Icewind Dale hard game. Didn't find it interesting. Not a huge fan. Sucks. 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 They both suck because they have like no story. It's all just the crunchy six six uh, character D and D fights. So the worst parts of Baldur's gate, that's literally all there is to Icewind Dale. Yeah. And, uh, I think, I, th I think we've talked about my feelings towards cyberpunk 
because I think I played it early on in the days of the podcast. Even before 2.0 and Phantom Liberty came out, I thought it was an extremely good, if, if extremely flawed game. My replay over the last week and a half has been delightful. I love that game. It clears into my top 25, I think, for sure. I think it is incredibly good. I think that the changes that they've made with the release of Phantom Liberty and like re redoing the entire talent tree have made it way more engaging, way more fun to like figure out how you want to build your character. Um, you know, I have created a character who is very fast mostly focuses if i am not sniping you from a hundred yards away i am getting in with a katana and cutting you to bits and like that is my modes is i am either sniping you with a silencer or i'm literally dismembering you with a sword and this game lets me really hone in on those new those two and like i haven't touched an assault rifle since like hour two and i love how dynamic the new uh, the new leveling and new uh, talent system is. Well, like I say, I thought it was going to be easy. By all accounts, Cyberpunk 2077 is a game that I am going to really enjoy when I finally sit down and play it. And Icewind Dale, uh, like the soundtrack. It's It sounds good. I like the soundtrack, but not a great game. And here's my other big complaint about Icewind Dale and the way they did these is, and I don't know if you remember this, they didn't necessarily level the encounters based on the party. And so oh, what happened yeah. was if you wanted to get the most experience, you were better off going with a smaller party because the bigger your mm -hmm. party was, the XP, XP was shared. getting shared amongst six people versus four or something like that. So it was either you'd level slower with a bigger party or you get your ass kicked over and over again if you're trying to level in. And I thought it was a terrible idea. It was poorly made, dumb game. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. Group 13. But yes, I Go just ahead, please. close on Cyberpunk because I'm thinking a lot about it because I've been playing it a lot for the last week. It's, it's a really good game. And the people who were like, this ruined CD Projekt Red, nah, dog, it's really good. It was good back then when it came out, and it's really good now. I will say, I am playing Phantom Liberty right now, so I'm, I'm seeing the new zone. I've gotten into the new expansion stuff. Oh, my, my frames are chugging in a way the rest of the game has not been. <laughs> my... Uh, my computer is not very strong and I can see it when I play this game cause it doesn't look very good. And yeah. my already meager frame rates do tend to chug in really cool, uh, set pieces, which is kind of a shame. I kind of wish that I had a more powerful computer, but I also don't want to save up $3,000 to get a more powerful computer. So here we are. <laughs> That's fair. Very, very fair. So, all right, next one. I think this should be quick pillars of eternity versus shadow run Hong Kong. I think it's going to be quick because I don't have much to say. Again, haven't played really either of them. Not to any point where I could have a strong uh, opinion. I played Pillars of Eternity for the first time in the last month. I thought it was fine. Uh, I'd see how I, I read when Pentiment came out. I read an interview with Josh Sawyer, who is the create one of the creative directors at Obsidian and was the project lead on Pentiment and the Pillars games. And he calls the pillar, especially the first one, his most compromised work as a designer. And that's because it came out 
and it was on Kickstarter, and the people who backed it, backed it were like, we want Baldur's Gate. We want another game that plays just like Baldur's Gate. And guess what? That's what they got. But it's 2017, babies. We should be past this bad gameplay in 2017. So it is a game with a very interesting cosmology, interesting story, hindered by the mechanics that the revanchist Kickstarter backers wanted. Shadowrun Hong Kong is the second best of the Shadowrun games, so I'm probably going to give it to that just because I like those Shadowrun games, but it's kind of a toss-up between them. Okay. All right. Okay, group number 14. I think this might be interesting. We'll have to see what you say. Uh, Number one, Baldur's Gate 3 versus Persona 4 Golden. I mean, I haven't played Baldur's Gate 3, and I won't till it's at least $30 at the maximum. (laughs) And Persona 4 was pretty good. Not as good as Persona 5. Um, I have played enough Baldur's Gate 3 then that I think I'm going to have to argue for Baldur's Gate 3. Uh, Go it for is, it. Uh, first of all, you, as you pointed out, it is either going to endear itself to you in how D&D it is, or it is going to put you off a little bit at how D&D it is. Uh, for me, as someone who's new to tabletop tabletop RPGs and has really only been playing D&D for about the last year and a half. I found that very endearing. It is an interesting world. The characters, even in the, you know, I, I'm not dozens of hours in, but in the, the hours in that I am, the characters are uh, interesting and well-written and um, not perfect, but I am enjoying them. And I think that there is a reason that it is kind of hit as hard as it is as as it has because i think it is actually a really really good game so i think Baldur's gate 3 probably deserves it i i think you're probably right i i will get to it when it's 30 dollars or less (laughs) (laughs) that's fair all right next one icewind dale 2 versus greedfall greedfall yeah i haven't played a ton but i've played enough greedfall uh, for me to know that it is definitely more interesting than an, an yet another Icewind Dale game. I mean, do you want a morally compromised, um, colonialist, weird fantasy version of Mass Effect? No. What's wrong with you? You should want that. It's <laughs> great. It's right there. It's great. Yeah. All right. Number 16, Wasteland 3 versus Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic 2. The Wasteland Wasteland 2 and Wasteland 3 are plagued by the same problem that Pillars of Eternity has, where it is old heads, revanchists trying to remake a game, trying to find the nostalgia they felt for a game that came out in 1992 and failing miserably at doing it because those games suck. <laughs> Pillars was pretty okay. Wasteland 2 and Wasteland 3 both suck. Knights of the Old Republic, that's Bioware, baby. Yes, but this is Knights of the Old Republic too. Oh, that's Obsidian, baby. Even better. Yes. Yeah. And again, Knights of the Old Republic 2 is in so many ways uh, by far the better of the two games. It's just the ending is the only thing that like pulls it back a little bit. And that's not Obsidian's fault. Uh, And uh, that's why that's why God gave you the um, restored content mod on your PC version of the game. And then you get to see all that stuff that got cut. So yeah, I got a definite, I mean, this is, that one's piece of cake. Knights of the Old Republic. Piece too. of cake. Next piece one, cake. next one is a piece of cake as well. And that is going to be the original Baldur's Gate versus Mass Effect 2. And I don't care what anybody else says about Baldur's Gate. I'm sorry. No. Mass Effect 2 is 
gun to my head, my favorite video game of all time. It's fair. It's good. It's not my favorite Mass Effect game. I think number one is just because I think it's weirder, even though it plays like shit. Uh-huh. Uh, it is. Mass Effect is a really good game. Mass for Effect me, really and, and again, game. this gets back to the things that I look for. The thing that makes Mass Effect 2 to me so good, it's, it's not the story. Uh, it's not the main story, even though I like those. For me, Mass Effect 2 is all about your companions. It's all about your team. Oh, yeah. It is about finding out about your team. It is about building your relationship with your team. And it is about understanding who these characters are. And like I said, it is probably gun to head favorite video game of all time. So, yeah. Definitely clears. Okay. Group number 18, we've got Dragon Age Origins versus Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. So we're pitting Bioware versus Bioware. Another Bioware versus Bioware. Knights of the Old Republic is better than Dragon Age Origins. That's oh, yeah. the worst of those three. Yeah, no question. Knights of the Old Republic takes it. It's a little hard to go back to and play at this time again, because some of the systems aren't quite as smooth as they, as they could be. Uh, but Dragon Age Origins, uh, it's too, again, my complaint about Origins is that it hues too closely to those old top-down isometric Bioware games Yep, and, mm-hmm. and, and is holding on to too much of the baggage of those games. Whereas I feel like they yep. sh- they shed some of that moving forward, which actually, like you said, makes this the weakest of the of the three. Well, it it is murder to play that game on a console. I played that game on an Xbox first, oh, I can't and it's even imagine. impossible. It's impossible. You need to be doing real time with pause, and doing that with a controller, and then issuing orders to everyone is a disaster. And then ball, and then De- Dragon Age Two comes out, and it's like, no, dog, it's. This is an Xbox game. You play it on your controller. And I was like, okay, I'm here for it. And then they made the best one of that trilogy. But I, Nice Little Republic clears. Okay. All right. Group number 19, Neverwinter Nights 2 versus The Witcher. Gun to my head, it's The Witcher, even though it is an extremely janky game. Yes, it is. I feel the same. I, I don't think either of these there's not like a clear cut winner. I think Neverwinter Nights too, and the original Neverwinter Nights, they were doing some really interesting things in terms of the way they kind of approached it. But uh, I think that the Witcher, while it is super janky, I think that it was a more interesting, uh, a more interesting setup, more interesting world. It's just, it is a first game from a studio that is trying so hard and you can just see how hard they're trying. Oh yeah. And you just, I, you, I just love that. It's so earnest of, of a kind of mid game. And I just like it a lot. Yep. All right. Number 20, we have the original mass effect versus Elden ring. I mean, it's mass effect. <laughs> so here's a little aside. Elden ring was the game I had to add on to get us to our 64. Now oh, my 18 okay. uh, year old, would go on and and on and wax as poetic as an 18 year old could about Elden Ring. And he has played it so many times. I think he said he's on new game plus, 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 plus. Oh Jesus. So I know he loves it. And so I know that there's people who do, but uh, the original mass effect, like you said, uh, in some ways is the best of the trilogy, though the gameplay is by far the roughest. Uh, and it isn't my favorite, but I do agree. I think that it is, I think it might be the most interesting of the trilogy. And so well, it's yeah. the one where they can be the weirdest because yeah, they're totally. trying to figure it out and they go totally in on the weirdness. And that is what sells me on that game. 
Um, Mass Effect 2 plays a lot better because they lean a lot more into let's make this a good shooter. And then, you know, it's also really good story-wise. I really like Mass Effect 2. I see why most people say Mass Effect 2 is the best of them. But I just think that the weirdness of Mass Effect, the first one, just really pulls me in um, in a way that it just simply doesn't for that other game. Yep. Up next, Group 21, Final Fantasy 14 versus Pillars of Eternity 2, Dead Fire. I think... I know how this one's going to go down. Here's what I'll say. Dead fire is better than pillars of eternity in every way, but I haven't played it in two weeks because cyberpunk came out and for final fantasy 14, I have 4,900 hours. In, so you <laughs> tell me which one wins. <laughs> Very good. I didn't think we were going to need to argue that one. I had a hunch. Final fantasy I'll just say is going to take it. I really like pillars of eternity too. It, it is building on what that first one did really well. The fact that they're like, we are a pirate in this one. It's cool. Here's your boat. Like go yo, ho, yo, ho, a pirate's life for you, baby. That's cool. It's not final fantasy 14. (laughs) All right. Like I say, I, I, I was, I was pretty, uh, pretty much sure that, uh, final fantasy 14 was going to take it. All right, group 22, number one, we have Tyranny, and number two, we have System Shock 2. System Shock 2. Tyranny's yeah. cool. System Shock 2 is genre-defining. Correct. And and I do think, again, I think Tyranny is 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 a neat idea. Uh, I think it's cool. Uh, but yeah, no, like you said, System Shock 2 is, again, one of those games that we can still look at games being made today and go... Oh, you were influenced by System Shock 2. Oh, yeah. All right. Group 23, Disco Elysium versus Neverwinter Nights. This is an embarrassing matchup. <laughs> one okay, of them. I have an idea which way this should go, but I'm curious to hear what you think. Because one yeah. of them is fine. Mm-hmm. The other one is one of the most interesting ideas of how to do a CRPG in the last 25 years. And that would be why Disco Elysium has to take this one without doubt. Oh yeah. Disco Elysium is really good. If you have not played it, listener, you don't fight in that game. So if you don't like combat, great. Go play Disco Elysium. You have to come to terms with politics and ideology and how all of those things work together in yourself as a person and in the world around you. And there is nothing funnier than reading things from like the pillars of eternity it's like screenshots from the pillars of eternity not pillars of eternity disco elysium subreddit where people are like i tried to make centrist choices and basically the game says i'm a fascist and you're like yeah dog that's because the choices you were making are actually fascist (laughs) and it's incredibly entertaining to watch people play that game and like discover ideology and have epistemological breaks while playing that game and realizing oh no my politics are bad (laughs) <laughs> never winter nights couldn't do that <laughs> no but i, I mean i'm just gonna it, in case you didn't pick it up from what eden was saying go into disco elysium understanding that this game is weird af but it is fast so cool though it is fast there's so cool. nothing like it so all right here we go group 24 on the one hand, we've got Banner Saga 2. On the other hand, Mass Effect 3. And I'm just going to get this off my chest and say, look, I get it. The ending of Mass Effect 3 
left some stuff to be desired, but it is still a really good game, especially once they added in a bunch of the DLC. And I know you shouldn't say, but whatever you play that whole game and you get to the end and the ending is not as good as it should have been, but it is still the experience of getting there is amazing. And I love that game and I love that trilogy and I've played the entire trilogy four times through, which for someone who generally doesn't play games more than once ever, that's saying a lot. So it's gotta be Mass Effect three. I, I agree with you. It's Mass Effect three. I like the banner saga games a lot, but like I, I, played a lot of mass effect online multiplayer to raise my war readiness level so i could make sure to kick those fucking reapers asses so like <laughs> and i played a lot of that on my xbox live so and, that and on the flip impressive. side because i was in residency and had zero time to play games online I did a shit ton of stupid missions with the stupid app on my iPhone so that I could Hell get yeah. my readiness all the way up so that I could get the best ending, which Hell yeah. Thank I needed goodness, that ending where Shepard survived. Thank goodness they did away with that uh, that that aspect of it in the legendary, so you don't have to worry I haven't about gotten it. around to that legendary edition yet, and I wondered surely they have to take this out because it would be ridiculous to be like, no, No, the max you can get is 50. Sorry, dog. Yeah. That part's completely gone. So you can get the hundred percent of your galactic readiness, just playing the game. So, well, that's good. All right. I'm curious to hear how this one's going to go down because I have played very little of both of these games. And I know you, I'm pretty sure have played quite a bit of both of these. Group number 25, on the one hand, we have Starfield, and on the second, we've got Fallout 3. Whew, what a, what a choice. <laughs> Fallout 3, Fallout 3 was the first Bethesda game I ever played. It was the first one, and it's what made me go and then play Obsidian, or Oblivion. It's what made me then go play Morrowind and just kind of play them then since as they came out. Uh, but I really like Starfield. Um, I understand why it's really divisive. I understand why there are a lot of people that were like, no, this was half-baked. This wasn't, this is not cooking the way that their earlier games were. I think Starfield is really fun. Um, So it's kind of a rough choice, but I think I'm going to give it to Starfield. And based on the amount of time I have put into both of these games, which admittedly is more in Starfield than in Fallout 3, I would definitely go with Starfield as well. Um. I I haven't played a ton, but I have played enough that I have enjoyed what I have played. It still has got a little bit of that Bethesda. The main story's not doing a whole lot for me right now. No, Um, you you can mostly ignore it. (laughs) Correct. Uh, But no, I I have enjoyed Starfield and and I'm looking forward to uh, this coming week. I've got some time off. Uh, I, I am planning on putting some time into Starfield and have to go out of town for a dumb ass, uh, work meeting, uh, in Sun Valley because they somehow think that we like care if we're going to stupid bougie places with a bunch of stupid people. <laughs> uh, look folks, if you like Sun Valley, that's great. 
I don't like Sun Valley. I don't fit in in Sun Valley, just like I don't fit in in Jackson, at least in the the fancy posh parts of Jackson where people uh-huh. like other doctors and members of the board like to go. Uh, and so I'm planning on going to the meetings and then I'm going to go back to my room and break out my Alienware uh, M15 and I'm going to play the hell out of Starfield. So do it. It's pretty fun. I will say I I was higher on it until I played cyberpunk again and i was like oh man they did not get cities the way that cd project red got a city yeah um but that is honestly a minor complaint in starfield because night city in cyberpunk is so well like lived in in a way that i admit i've never played grand theft auto 5 it's the one grand theft auto game i haven't gotten around to and maybe rockstar hit it and grand theft auto 5 haven't played it but I've never played a game that feels more lived in and real of a city as cyberpunk 2077 has. And Starfield unfortunately does not quite have it like that. Yeah. All right. Still good though. Still real good. Well, like I say, I'm going to give it, I'm going to put some time in it this coming week. All right. Our next one, we've got system shock versus with the Witcher two assassins of Kings, Witcher two. Yeah, that was what I was thinking. System Shock, I think, you know, was again influential for its time, though not nearly so much as System Shock 2. Uh, And I think The Witcher 2 was when everybody kind of started to pay attention to CD Projekt Red and say, oh, okay, these folks are figuring out how to make games, like good games. So... And, and they do like the main story of assassins of, of Kings is maybe better than wild hunt, Witcher three. Um, even if I do like the totality of Witcher three better than Witcher two, I think that the main story of assassins of Kings is great. And I think it's audacious as hell that you make a choice about a third of the way through that game. And then you don't see half of the game that you would see otherwise. So like, and it is that wide of a divide there's like the entire second act there's two of them and so depending on the choice you make at the end of act one you see one of the two act twos interesting and they're very different from one another and that like trusting your audience and trusting yourself enough to say if they like it they'll come back and play and see the other side but i don't need to show them every quest i designed it's fine yeah that that is a level of bravery and like self-assurance in your own work that I would think I wish more studios had the guts to do. So I'm going to, we're going to go back up above just because you made me think of something that somebody at work was telling me today. And this is about Baldur's gate three. And they were listening to an interview with some of the voice actors. And, and one of the voice actors was saying that, you know, they, and they track all this. And he said that there is a whole side quest with two hours of recorded dialogue for this, this voice actor that not a single person playing the game has found yet. What? That's too big. That's too much. <laughs> you but made too much time. game. Well, you know, it's, it's a lot of game, but I thought it was an interesting thing. So, all right, we're in the home that stretch here. Divinity Original Sin 2 versus Final Fantasy 15. I've made my feelings about divinity original sin series very abundantly clear i have in previous episodes made my feelings about final fantasy 15 abundantly clear noctis and the boys on the road trip wins over weird orcs and goblins and shit every time i haven't played either of them and uh so i totally agree that the final fantasy 15 just based on the concept alone ought to take it because it is not your average fantasy setting so 
One of them has the glossiest food on Coleman brand plates delivered to you when you cook at your camp. The other one has orcs. <laughs> Tell me what's more interesting. I want Coleman brand camping material in my video game. <laughs> All I right. want to be able to go and buy a cup noodle in my video game. Okay, group number 28. We're bringing, we're pitting Bioware against themselves again with Jade Empire versus Dragon Age 2. Dragon Age 2. Yeah, I think so. It's been a long time since I played Gem Jade Empire. I remember liking it when I played it, but I only played it through the once. Uh, and I think I've played through Dragon Age 2 twice. Uh, I, I think I'd have to give it to Dragon Age 2 as well. Dragon, I think I said this earlier, but Dragon Age 2 is my favorite of those three. Um, and Jade Empire was okay. I think I would not want to go back to it because I bet it's pretty Orientalist. Uh -huh. So I'll give it to Dragon Age 2. I had that thought the other day. I was listening to some game soundtracks and the Jade Empire soundtrack popped on and I was like, dang, I want to go play it again. And then I thought, hmm, I wonder how problematic it is. So, so I did. Probably quite. Back. Probably quite. Probably I think quite. So. Okay, now this next one's an interesting pairing, I think, in that it would be Fallout 2 versus Wasteland 2. Fallout 2. See, and then I think that it, the only reason I kind of think that it, uh, uh, that it is interesting is just because uh, it's kind of almost like two competing ideas of how to do a post-apocalyptic game set against each other. A hundred percent. I would give it Fallout 2 I, well. I, yeah, I... I think that, again, Wasteland 2 is very compromised because they're trying to do a throwback game. Uh, Fallout 2 is very compromised because it is written by people who have very conflicting ideas, and you see that in the way that the game rolls out. And fundamentally, that the latter is far more interesting to me. Also, it's a it's a black it's a black isle game. Those guys make things like Planescape Torment. So yeah, let's give games. it to Black Isle. And then they got basically they fell apart and guess what obsidian was born from the ashes baby it all comes back yep all right next we've got uh sorry just move my page we've got deus ex invisible war versus dragon age inquisition so the bad deus ex game versus yep. a pretty okay if too bloated dragon age game yeah, inquisition I wins gotta give it to inquisition on this one no question all right. Invisible War was doing interesting things, but it was so clearly an Xbox game oh, yeah. that they also oh, yeah. brought to PC that it was just annoying to play because it was so clearly designed for a controller and I was playing on a KBM. Yep. All right. Here we go. Shadowrun Returns versus Arcanum of Steamworks and Magic Obscura. Arcanum is better than you think it's going to be when you look at it and you're like, wow, this looks like what if Baldur's Gate was worse? Um, but it's got interesting ideas going on. Shadowrun Returns is also cool, though, and <laughs> cyberpunk. So I think Shadowrun Returns clears for me, even though I think it's the worst of those three Harebrained Studios games. Okay. Well, then, given the fact that I think earlier you said that the Shadowrun game was the second best, I'm guessing that you think Shadowrun Dragonfall was the best? Is. Right. It is the best. And Dragonfall so is very good. In our final group, we've got Shadowrun Dragonfall, the best of the dra of the Shadowrun games, according to you who has played them, and I trust, versus Mass Effect Andromeda, the worst of the Mass Effect games. Wah, wah. I mean, for me, Dragonfall clears it, even though it's 
kind of a messy um, tactics game. Uh, and I really, I am, I am a bigger Andromeda defender than most people. I oh, think I am that too. the combat. I, I am a Mass Effect Andromeda apologist, even, I would say. I am too. The combat is very good. Yep. It's like, a great, the fact, fun game to play. Just the act of playing the game feels really good. Better than any Mass Effect game. Oh, yeah. When they gave you that jump jet, you were like, oh, this is game over. This is all this game needed. This is all it needed to make the combat really sing. And as I have discussed here, they then took that combat and made an extremely good combat system in Anthem. Unfortunately, they didn't make a game to go with it. So Anthem's a real mess. Um, Andromeda is not good compared to the other Mass Effect games, but I have a lot of fondness for it, even while I can see how much of a mess it was. Um, and I can, you can see the seams almost everywhere you turn in that game. I still fundamentally think it's pretty fun. I do too. But, but shadow run dragon fall. If you didn't dislike tactics so much, I would make you play that game. This <laughs> podcast. It's very good. Well, like I say, I, I do. I like mass effect Andromeda more than most people as well. Uh, but it also has a lot of flaws and I am happy to give this one to shadow run dragon. If you've never played a tactics game, Dragonfall is a great place to pop in, kids. And do you want to play? Do you want cyberpunk but also fantasy? That's where Shadowrun takes you. Do you want a cyberpunk world where you can be an orc who's really good at hacking? Because that's what Shadowrun gives you. (laughs) Well, I think that wraps it up. There is our list. I think it does. That was a good conversation. A lot of fun games to talk about. And... You know, if anything, it just got me more excited for some time off this week to actually get in and play some games that I just haven't had time to play lately. So, you know, I hope you have a good time playing them. I hope that you're able to relax, take a few days to unwind and like just really dig in and have some fun. Oh, you know, it's going to be it's going to be interesting because, you know. I'll get up early in the morning like I usually do. I'll work out. Then I'll take Gareth, drop him off at school and then I'll just be alone. Nice. So, yeah. We're the world some, is your oyster. We're going to get some game stuff done. We're also going to spend some time uh, working on kind of plotting and outlining my uh, my book for NaNoWriMo 2023 because it is fast approaching. So, Indeed it is. Anyway, well, we'll wrap it up here. We appreciate everybody listening. And again, big shout out to uh, Eden and Cassie for carrying the pod uh, two weeks ago. Uh, and given us a really great episode about video games. If you haven't listened to it, uh, it was a fun conversation. Go listen to it. They did, an, they did a really wonderful job, and I do appreciate it. Uh, if you've got any feedback, if you want to tell us games that we should have talked about, games that we've missed and all that kind of fun stuff, uh, go ahead and reach out to us at feedback at com. Let us know uh, so that we can give them a try, you know? Just because we didn't talk about it doesn't mean that we wouldn't be willing to check it out. It just means we didn't think about it. And until next time, thanks for listening. Have a good one, folks.